We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week. I'm Blair Andrews. My co-host, as always, is Hassan Rahim. Hassan, how's it going? Man, uh, it's it's going great. You know, uh, this as always, just thankful to have football back. Um, and I mean, today was one of the days where you just reminded how brutal of a sport this was. So uh, it's a bit of a bummer watching a lot of these uh, star players and a lot of these. Um, you know, it's athletes who put their bodies in the line, unfortunately, like taking down these like injuries that just are terrible, terrible. So wishing them all the best. Yeah, that's true. A lot of, uh, a lot of big injuries today that are going to, going to be shaking up a lot of teams, uh, a lot of lineups, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, a lot to talk about. We have no guests today, so let's just jump right in, uh, with George Kittle missing, the game with an injury the san francisco 49ers turned to jordan reed who had a strong outing uh reed caught seven of eight targets for 50 yards and two touchdowns uh so hassan do you think jordan reed has carved out a role for himself even when kittle returns yeah so this is actually a fairly really good question uh the only reason reed was on our radar is because our friends uh background and peter Overzet they actually uh bid for him in our uh, quad managed team 
and they won him and we started him in FFPC, which is, uh, you know, tight end premium. And you know, he did pretty well, like with the 27 and a half FFPC points. Although, you know, uh, Shanahan was saying, well, this role is going to be limited. It's only going to be a handful of snaps. But the issue is with this offense, they're just not, they're not that many pass catchers. Like, 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 like we knew wide receiver was really sort of the, uh, the like a, like a crutch for this team, but man, oh man, like these guys really don't have anybody right now, unfortunately. And Debo suffered that setback too. So you know, going forward, yeah, I do think there is a little bit of a role here for um, Jordan Reed. Now, look, uh, today's game is not really indicative. They're playing against the New York Football Jets, who are just uh, you know. Uh, I don't know what they're doing. Like, like, are they like Adam Gase? Like, I don't know. Like, all of it's bad for them, right? And then, so when you look at this, like, like Reed led the team in targets with eight. Then it was Kendrick Bourne who went, who, who, who caught like four targets for sixty-seven yards and no touchdowns. And then you got like rookie Ayuk, who's coming off that hammy, but he had like three targets and he caught two for twenty-one. Um, Trent Taylor, who just, like, I don't know, man, like two, two, two catches for ten yards, like just, just stuff where it's just. People who are going nowhere shouldn't be a thing, right? And so interestingly, like Jarek McKinnon didn't get much work in the receiving game, but Devin Goldman did. I don't know how much we can take away from this game itself, but like Reed did a good job as like the, the focal point of this offense, which is fine. Um, given that we don't know how long Debo's recovery timeline will be, especially because coming off that Jones fracture, I do think that Reed will see a lot of work going forward. My bigger question for you here. Like, what are your thoughts on that Jimmy G, like, injury that Raheem Mostert, like, might have a sprained MCL? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, that's a good question. And, I mean, it. I think it even, you know, sort of confirms what you were saying about how there's maybe not that much we can take from this game. If Garoppolo is going to miss any time, I think Reed caught both of his touchdown passes from Garoppolo and didn't do a whole lot after... Nick Mullins came in. Um, so, yeah, we'll kind of have to see whether whether this injury keeps Garoppolo out for a while. Mostert, obviously, you know, he had that one long touchdown run and was awesome. And I think uh, after he went out, McKinnon kind of picked up right where he left off with another, with a touchdown. Just a big, a big run, yeah. Of his own. Yeah, so... Um, I don't know. I think McKinnon can probably pick up most of the slack if Mostert has to miss time. Um, yeah, I'm not too worried about the team. You know, we've seen them kind of be able to play with just whoever is on the field. That's one one thing that the 49ers are good at that not a lot of other teams are, is that they can kind of put anyone in the game and, and produce. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be hard to really predict where the targets are going to go, where the carries are going to go, where we're going to get fantasy production. I think you'd expect to see Ayuk uh, with a bit larger of a role going forward. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to hard to take a lot away from this game. Like you said, I think we'll have to wait for more news on you know what these uh, what these injuries mean for the future. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, are you buying this kind of McKinnon, you know, 77-yard, one-touchdown performance? It was only on three carries, so I don't know. Does it make you want to, like, add him in shallow leagues, trade for him? 
I don't know how much you're going to trade for him. Uh, I don't know how much I care to trade for him. I mean, like, so Kevin Coleman, like, 14 carries, 12 yards. Like, I don't know how he's going to remain that inefficient. We do know the Jets are pretty good at at stopping the run, right? So when you look at, like, what Raheem Mostert, McKinnon did, and you strip out their one long run. So McKinnon had, uh, had like, a 55-yarder, and Mostert had, like, an 80-yarder, right? Like, mm-hmm. the Jets are still pretty good at clamping down on, 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 on running games. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I don't know how much I really want to give up. Uh, I do know that if you were drafting both Coleman and McKinnon late, you're looking pretty, pretty okay here. I'm really bummed for Monster for Monster though, because he was like the subject of a lot of like hate, like uh, this off season. I, I don't know mm-hmm. if I call it like hate. like hate seems too strong, but basically like why you should shy away from him when like you know I mean like this is kind of like the kind of success like he's the kind of success story that you want. Uh, because like, I mean, the sad truth of the matter is, is sort of like, at least I view it is that Mostert's kind of the guy everyone wished McKinnon was right. And like McKinnon is also fairly electric. It's pretty good to see. And it's awesome to see that like his multiple knee surgeries haven't slowed him down, but like Mostert just does this man, like the guy, you know, like the guy just (laughs) like, he's kind of almost like a, like an Aaron Jones ass, like big play type of guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, we saw McKinnon kind of having that role too. But yeah, it's, I don't know, we've seen this out of this offense for a long time with Brita last year too. So um, I don't know, is Mostert, is everyone here kind of like a system running back? I don't know. I mean, Mostert does have the, yeah, he's got the speed and he's, uh, well, yeah, he's definitely interesting. Um, Yeah. Mainly because like Shanahan wanted him, you know, like he like he went out and got him for this squad, and like we would have seen Monster do something had the poor guy not broken his arm in preseason. You know, like like yeah. like Monster's been a been a freak in preseason, like just freakishly good, like you know, like Philip Lindsay level type of like boys among men type of uh, performances, and so you know when when uh, and unfortunately Monster broke his arm. And he didn't get much run because he was supposed to be the RB3 behind Hyde and McKinnon or McKinnon and Hyde. Yeah, I can't remember who the the RBs were that year. And just, you know, it's good to see that when he had was given the opportunity, he had like it took a bunch of injuries for him to become get the opportunities. But when he got it, he was so electric with it. Like it's hard to put put that guy back in the bottle once he's out there. And like, I mean, Monster is kind of the guy who everyone once i mean like the guy ran track at purdue like he's a freak plus athlete was a converted wide receiver like the only reason like i i, I don't like i need to know why fantasy analysts were kind of like down on him as a player i guess it's maybe because it's old but like he never really got this level of opportunity before you know and then on mm-hmm. top of that like i mean i mean everyone chases these converted quarterbacks or converted wide receivers like antonio gibson but like not mustard i guess I mean, hey, uh, you know, I mean, like, I, I guess it makes sense, right? Yeah, and like McKinnon too, right? And and like, but but not Raheem Mostert for some reason, right? Exactly. So even though I he's mean, probably the most athletic of the of all of them, of right? Of those guys, yeah, yeah. And so it's just like kind of a joke at this point, right? Like, uh, like, like he, like, just because he's been around long enough and people haven't tracked him, and like, uh, you know, he wasn't a combine, like they didn't watch his combine, so like maybe there's no real attachment to it, but like. I don't know, <laughs> like, I don't know how much you really, mm-hmm. really need to, you know, follow a prospect or root for him to, like, 
not be a prospect anymore, but, but like uh, just a veteran who continues to get roles and like, why you can't, uh, I don't know, like why he wasn't a good pick, especially at ADP. He was fairly depressed by the end of it. So like I'm hoping he's healthy and he can come back. Yeah, for sure. I mean, by now we've seen enough to know that like he's for real, I think. Oh, for Especially sure. After after today. Hello, folks. Colin Kelly here from Rotoviz Overtime, a podcast I host along with Sean Siegel. And in just a little moment, we'll jump straight into the podcast. Before we do so, I want to let you know as a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% of a Rotoviz NFL pass right now on the rotoviz.com website. It gives you access to all of our content and tools. All you have to do is add the code 2020RVRadio at checkout or by going to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. And of course, while you're listening to the podcast on the network, helps us out a lot if you can rate and review on your favorite podcast app. I really do appreciate that. As I mentioned at the start, Road of His Overtime with Sean Siegel twice a week. If you haven't already checked it out, be sure to do so after this show. But let's get straight into it. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, here's another guy who people were like, oh, he's going to regress. His rushing touchdown is unsustainable, blah, blah, blah. Aaron Jones rushed 18 times for 168 yards and two TDs. And he also got four of eight targets for 68 yards, an additional score in the Packers' week two win over the Lions. You know, but Devontae Adams, ham- like he suffered a hamstring injury in his ankle, basically slowed down for the entire game. Like the offense was run through Jones as it, as it was all of last year, right? Uh, you know, despite Jamal Williams getting some run in the offense, it's clear that Aaron Jones is is the is the centerpiece of this offense. You know, do you do you think Jones has carved out a bigger role for himself, even if Adams comes back fully healthy next week? Um, yeah, I mean, Jones already had one of the biggest roles for a running back that you could want. Uh, so it's kind of hard to see it getting much bigger, um, unless I guess. Adams has to miss more time, but I mean, you're talking about uh, someone last week who was, I think, the only running back who had double-digit, double-digit expected points as a receiver and a runner, and you know, and obviously uh, this week he was he was uh, awesome. So, um, yeah, it's hard to see his role growing much. I think, you know, the question that is in the back of my mind when it comes to Aaron Jones is. How long, you know, if he has a down game coming up over the next few weeks, how long before we see A.J. Dillon being worked into the game? I mean, when when Jones is rushing for 168 yards and scoring two touchdowns and getting eight targets, then that's not much of a worry. But, you know, if uh, if he's not as efficient one week, you know, when do the Packers start saying, hmm, maybe we should check out that rookie we just spent a lot of capital on? Is that something that you're also worried about if you own Aaron Jones? No. I mean, the bad news is A.J. Dillon <laughs> was by far and away the worst, like second worst rusher on this offense. The worst being Tim Boyle. <laughs> so so that just, like, he is, uh, I mean, like, that just shows you kind of how far he is. So against Minnesota, he had like two carries, and you know that was fine. Uh, today, in in like basically mop up duty, he he had like he had five carries and he had seventeen yards, like three point five four yards uh, per carry. Jamal, he was like out carried by Jamal Williams, who had like eight for sixty three. Like he had eight touches and he put up sixty three yards, and he had about eight yards a carry. And, uh, you know, neither of those two were used at all in the receiving game, so they're exclusively uh relegated to mop-up duties here 
which is nice. Uh, well, even if not, it's nice to see uh, LaFleur and company decide, oh, yeah, Aaron Jones is our primary pass catcher in like neutral and negative and slightly positive script. Like we're going to use him um, like as our primary so, guy. Yeah. So I guess that's the question, though. Do you trust this performance with eight targets to carry forward? Or is it just kind of Aaron Jones had the hot hand? He was making guys miss today, so we kept throwing in the ball. I mean, because last year it was more of a split between Jones and Jamal Williams, where Jones was used as the as the rusher and Williams was getting the targets. So, um, you know, I'm almost thinking in a game that that uh, Green Bay doesn't win by you know 21 points, maybe things look quite a bit different. Man, yeah, your guess is as good as mine. And so it's <laughs> and so I'm actually kind of excited to see what happens here, like as we go down the line. So like again, ideally in an ideal world, LaFleur decides that Aaron Rodge Aaron Jones is his primary receiving RB, right? I don't see eight targets again, but I mean this is a fairly fragile receiver core behind Devontae Adams, right? Like I'm old enough to remember when people were chasing Alan Lazard in the ninth round or the eighth round or whatever it was as like Green Bay's wide receiver too. When it's clear uh, from the targets, like he might actually be lower than that, right? Like Marcus Valdez Scantling has re-supplanted him on the depth mm-hmm. chart, right? And with ESB on on IR. Um Right. And so and, 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 and MVS was going undrafted in most leagues. Right. So I guess yeah. so. So uh, so five years in a row, I guess now. No, wait. When when was Devontae Adams's big breakout as a wide receiver three drafted? Was that a I can't remember now. Oh, was that uh, three years ago. Was that 2017? Yeah. So 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 for three years when he in was a row, drafted. No, 2015 was when he was drafted. So three years in a row, they've um, 14. Yeah. Yeah. So, but remember, like when Devonte Adams had like, had like all those fumbling issues, and he was going after Cobb and Nelson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like ever since then, like fantasy gamers have just sort of chosen an overdrafted the wrong Green Bay wide receiver, right? So, <laughs> so this is this year is no different. So yeah, I mean, like it's interesting to see what happens with Adams, though, because like I am worried a little bit because of this hamstring and ankle issues. Um, mm-hmm. he uh uh was getting a lot of love uh, this week as being in a quote-unquote smash spot. And the only thing he succeeded in doing was uh, smashing uh, your cash lineups if you played him in cash. So, so that was, uh, so that was good. So I guess what, I guess that's uh, pretty all right. If you played him last week, like, like, you know, we did, we, 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 we did well, but now this, we played him this week and, you know, puts up a dud, right? So, um, I mean, this is going to be interesting to follow because I do think that Aaron Jones uh, in my in my mind, to me, he was always the wide receiver too on this offense. So, uh, so his to me, his ADP was fairly justified in the first two rounds. We're just seeing it was a little weird seeing him go after a bunch of the RBs that he did. But hey, whatever, that's on everybody else, right? Learn maybe learn to draft a little bit better. Um, uh, but yeah, I do think that Aaron Jones, as far as like the primary running back, like as a as a pass catcher goes, like his his role is unquestioned. And I do think that, I mean, he's just fairly electric. The guy just makes stuff happen, right? Like, he busts off, like, a like a 75-yard touchdown, like, anytime he gets the ball, man. Like, I don't think his body can hold up for a full season, getting 18, 18 touches, uh, 18 carries, sorry. But, like, that's where you get your Jamal and, and like, A.J. Dillon in. And I guess it'll be interesting to see what happens when Green Bay 
are faced in these uh, teams who can actually keep it close with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Next two weeks at New Orleans and then they're home uh, against Atlanta. And I mean, we obviously have yet to see what New Orleans offense looks like exactly without Michael Thomas in case he's out a couple more weeks, but um, should be a, a very different game script, I would think. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, without Devontae, as, supposing Devontae Adams is not ready to go in week three and they're rolling out, you know, MVS as the wide receiver one, do you see them? How does this offense look in that case? Are they even scoring points? I don't know. It's going to be at the Saints, right? And so, like, let's see what yeah. happens with Michael Thomas. But uh, last week, this offense, I mean, last season, this offense flowed through through Aaron Jones at that point. Well, they were using Jamal Williams as well as, 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 like a, as a lot. So uh, it'll be interesting. I, I can tell you, like, the only thing I can really state with confidence in that, in that regard is that MVS probably locks in as their wide receiver one. And he should probably yeah. get there. Lazard becomes interesting as well, but I do think Aaron Jones uh, just becomes like the guy who you want to lock in. And like I don't, and like the big the, the guy who takes the biggest hit is is Aaron Rodgers. Like he's like he'll mm-hmm. be scraping to get like eleven or twelve fantasy points. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. It's uh. You know, you would hope that they, I guess, continue to use Aaron Jones the way they did in the in the passing game. But based on sort of what they did last year, I don't know how how reasonable that that is in in a game with a different script. But yeah, we'll see. Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they are corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders, they call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. And even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You need to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30. All right, let's get into the game 
we are going to be playing this week another edition of uh, rookie breakout or fakeout starting off with one of the rookie quarterbacks who just got his first start of the season justin herbert completed 22 of 33 passes for 311 yards one touchdown and one interception in the chargers week two overtime loss to the chiefs adding 18 yards and a score as a rusher this was a bit of a weird situation uh just because dire was a surprise scratch um you know it sounds like he had like some chest pain or something and i don't like it's just really difficult to tell right now like is it is it real you know do we believe it like it just i i don't know right like uh, i mean it could be possible like head coach anthony lynn is lying about about tyrod right like just oh he suffered a chest injury he injured his ribs in the warm-up and you know it's 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 Herbert time, right? The issue here is I think Herbert played well enough here at home against the Chiefs, you know, uh, to where <laughs> it's kind of Baker Mayfield esque, where you're just like, well, it's not like they got sick of Tyrod's like play, but like mm-hmm. Anthony Lynn probably just took a took a reason to just play his guy and and this is like you know tough tough scene for anyone who who thought that like Tyrod was gonna was gonna keep the job all season long if only because um uh you're gonna find out that a lot of these guys tend to highly drafted rookie quarterbacks tend to start sooner rather than later um and I just wonder how long it'll be uh, before Anthony Lynn commits to make the switch. So, like, you know, I mean, even if Tyrod, like, gets a start next week and he starts to struggle, I, d- I think that his lease will be very, 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 very short. And that's a bit of a shame. I, I do like Tyrod, but he looked really terrible the first week. Um, you know, to that end, Herbert looked pretty sharp. Uh, I thought he did, a, did an okay job marching the offense up and down the field. My biggest mistake, as always, is, uh, you know, in leagues where I drafted Justin Herbert uh, in Superflex Dynasty Leagues, I you know, stupidly traded for Tyrod, which is just something you shouldn't bother ever doing uh, if you're going to draft these uh, early drafted uh, elite rookie quarterbacks. Uh, there's no need to handcuff because they're going to get playing time sooner rather than later, just, so just uh, as a reminder for anyone out there. I wasn't sure Herbert was particularly any good, uh, but he did a good job commanding this offense. Mm-hmm. Like, he got Eckler involved, he got Keenan Allen involved, he got Hunter Henry involved. Mike, Mike Williams, unfortunately, left out in the cold. Um, but, you know, excited to see what happens next and uh, interested in the saga. That's the Los Angeles Chargers, which, I mean, this is the most interesting this team has been in like a long, long time, right? So, Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, I think it would be fairly surprising if if they did go back to Taylor after this. I mean, obviously you would have preferred or they would have preferred a win, but um, taking the Chiefs to overtime, I think I'm hopeful that, uh, you know the coaches notice that that's not not insignificant. You know former former Super Bowl champs last year's or reigning Super Bowl champs going to overtime with them. So um, yeah, I definitely think Herbert did enough today to get the start the rest of the season. Uh, so I think it would be pretty disappointing if they went back to Taylor. Antonio Gibson rushed 13 times for 55 yards and a touchdown of Washington's week two loss to the Cardinals. He also added one reception for negative one yards. Yeah, this is a weird stat line for him. For someone coming in as a converted wide receiver to get only one reception for negative one yard, 
Um, you'd hope for a lot more involvement in the passing game. It's definitely nice that he got that touchdown, um, and he was pretty pretty good as a rusher, uh, which is you know a, a nice uh, change of pace from last week. So, um, I mean, yeah, I'm hopeful to see what what uh, he can do going forward. But I think you definitely want to see more more receptions and more targets for him. Um, so yeah. I can see this being being a sign of more work coming his way, which I think uh, is definitely a good thing. So I'm optimistic. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire rushed 10 times for 38 yards and caught six of eight targets for 32 yards in the Chiefs' Week 2 overtime win over the Chargers. Yeah, this is, I mean, so like, I'm leaning breakout, man. Like, like, like with CEH, right? Like, uh, I don't really like uh, like it's really hard for me to care about like this rushing stat line when when the complaint literally the complaint last week was he's not getting targeted in the receiving game like you, you, you know you only get like one of these right and it's like oh now he can't convert on the goal line well one thing at a time guys like uh, this is fine I like, I don't care about the rushing stat line the more encouraging thing is like he got six of his eight targets for 32 yards like that to me is like far more important than 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 worrying about like his goal line use, right? Like, cause like the big thing about his goal line use on Thursday night raw, I mean, w- w- whatever it was, Thursday night football uh, in front of like uh, you know island game, first game of the season, he's getting stuffed repeatedly, and like the only lesson you can take 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 away from that, like frankly, is oh wow, he's not getting into the end zone, and they're still giving him the ball anyway. Like that, if that wasn't your uh, initial reaction, uh, make it yours because like that's the important part, right? Like like that's mm-hmm. like that like that's the important thing here, and it's exciting to see that you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, like really all that depressed is like ADP was the fact that he was like uh, was not gonna like uh, he, was, he was theoretically threatened by Damian Williams, which yeah sure whatever it all changed after the holdout, but. He's a very electric talent. I mean, eight targets, man. Like, that's exciting, you know? And and if they start using him and, like, you know, running actual wheel routes and stuff, like the kind of stuff that he did at LSU, oh, my God, wheels way, way up. Chase Claypool caught three or three targets for 88 yards and a touchdown in the Steelers' week two win against the Broncos. Yeah, yeah. I think that this could be a breakout. I mean, Claypool is i think the top freak score athlete in this class um he's you know he's a big fast guy who gives uh gives the steelers an element that they didn't really have before between you know washington and and deontay johnson and juju um that kind of big sort of classic alpha receiver body type so uh, I can definitely see them trying to get him more involved in the future, um, probably at the expense maybe of Eric Ebron. But um, yeah, it was encouraging to see him get that get that long reception uh, today. I think it was uh, probably most of his yards came on that one reception. Oh, I mean, definitely most of them, but maybe almost all of them. But uh, yeah, it's funny. Sean and I picked him up in our main event last week, kind of uh, almost a little bit by accident because we're loaded at wide receiver, but he was just really intriguing. So we added him and then 
uh, over right before week one. And then before week two, we dropped him for some running backs who ended up doing nothing. So I don't know what we'll, maybe we'll try and get him back again, but, uh, yeah, it was, we almost could have had this, this performance on our bench, which would have been, uh, I don't know, kind of funny. T.Y. Hilton caught three of five targets for 28 yards in the Colts' week two win over the Vikings. Yeah, this is not uh, a rookie, but we included him, if only because he's playing like a rookie, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah, I was going like, to say, this should be a Michael Pittman one. Yeah, uh, well, whatever, folks. You're getting T.Y. Hilton, who, who really is just, oh, my God. Uh, like, I don't know what this dude's issue is. He's terrible. Like what on earth? Um, I mean, like this is a shame, right? Like he's for the 2020 season. Here's his stats: nine nine targets, four receptions, 53 yards, no touchdowns. Right? Like, and this is at home. This is in a dome. So what's happening? Well, I can actually I actually probably have an idea of what's happening. Like like the three of five off for 28, five targets, encouraging. Three targets, you know, three receptions, encouraging. Uh, 28 yards, eh, not really encouraging against the Vikings is absolute trash-tastic uh, secondary, right? Especially at home in a dome. I mean, like this is like like Michael Pippen, for example, six targets, four catches, 37 yards. Um, Mo Ali Cox, never done this before. Six targets, five catches, 111 yards. Then you have Zach Pascal with four targets, three, three catches, 19 yards. Jonathan Taylor emerging. Yeah, exactly. Right. And and, John, and this is also, keep in mind, Paris Campbell suffered a knee injury. Mm-hmm. Hilton losing out to Pittman and Mo Ali Cox and has Pascal hot in his heels, like sort of lines up pretty nicely with a lot of the research that you've done pertaining to um, non-wide, you know, wide receivers who don't bounce back. And like, I thought Hilton fit all the profile. Like he's just been fairly inefficient over the last few seasons, even with Rivers under center. Like he's just, really really not a very like he just isn't who people thought he is and he will not be that again i think um like if you own him and manage leagues do you trust starting him ever yeah i don't know um i don't own him in managed leagues <laughs> right but, but uh, even in best ball like how often do you think he's gonna right. crack your lineup right because like where he was going yeah. by the end of it like after all these like positive news blurbs started coming out about the Colts and Colts camp and so on and so forth, everyone flocked to like Hilton, and it's just like, whoa, his his price was fairly elevated prior to this, and like now it's just like, like I, like, I, like I never registered when he used to get drafted. He just was never in like I'd see Hilton go, and I just like stare at it, like, oh, who's this guy? You know, like it's just been so long since he's actually been a fancy viable asset, and. It's kind of unfortunate because he used to be pretty dope uh, back all, all you know all those years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if he if like he was that bad. He's been that bad recently. I mean, one thing is that he never really fit the Rivers passing profile, right? That's not Rivers' game and Hilton's game don't exactly mesh. So I think there were a lot of reasons to be concerned going into this season and we're seeing that play out where uh you know rivers is targeting the running backs and tight ends and uh hilton is probably gonna have a lot more disappointing games justin jefferson caught three or three targets for 44 yards and their vikings is week two lost the colts 
Yeah, I guess this is a breakout. I mean, the Vikings maybe are not going to be throwing a lot, but I think the big thing to take away from from this performance is that he outplayed Adam Thielen. So, uh, you know, Thielen had eight targets and only caught three of them for 31 yards. Um, so, you know, how <laughs> how intriguing does this performance look to the coaches who are saying, oh, we got to get this Jefferson kid more involved, give him some of Thielen's targets. I think uh, this might be the beginning of when he's going to emerge. It's just, um, yeah, you know, with Cousins attempting only 26 passes in a game that the Vikings were never really, uh, never winning, I don't think. And it ended up being not that close. So, you, you know we're not going to see them pass more in games that they're winning. So there's a cap to how good Jefferson can be, but I definitely, I definitely like this performance. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like I just like when I saw like all those beat reports about like Justin Jefferson running with the second string and everyone was making like a stink about it. Like realistically that's confirmation bias, right? Like that's just, it's like they didn't like him really as a prospect. And then people wanted to find a reason to dog him. Right. And I mean, well, tough, tough as the scenes. BC Johnson, like uh, cousins targeted him, and like he, like uh, the cornerback jumped the route and intercepted it. Like, like at least Justin Jefferson looks better. The thing that's like really confusing to me is like, okay, so you traded away Stefan Diggs, right? And uh, you wanted to commit to the run, so you're so committed to the run, you're not going to bother throwing to the running backs. You're just going to really run the football, right? Because like Dalvin Cook made hay last season in the open flat. Mm-hmm. What are you guys like? What are they doing? He only saw two targets today. What is this yeah. team doing? Like, they really need to stop targeting Alexander Madison, like at all. Like Alexander Madison is terrible. <laughs> he really is a bad running back. All right, like um, they need to stop targeting BC John. It's a make work role. Irv Smith is probably just not going to happen. Like like Kyle Rudolph's continued. Like he just got saw one target. Right. Like at the very least, like if you're gonna just get completely blown out and rolled over, like you, you might as well start firing the coaching staff from now because there's nothing happening here. Like I like 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 at the very least, if like start targeting Dalvin Cook, that's where he made hay last year. Like what is going on? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this Minnesota team was really bad today, so I don't know how much how much uh, how much of this game is going to be predictive of what they do going forward. But I think that. You know, unfortunately, we might be in for some more games like this. Oh, no, it's going to be pretty predictive in that they're going to be really bad. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Joshua Kelly rushed 23 times for 64 yards in the Chargers' Week 2 overtime loss to the Chiefs, adding two receptions for 49 yards as a receiver. Um, <laughs> Breakout, man. I mean, that's ridiculous, right? <laughs> like, like, he's getting, like, 23 rushes. I mean, come on. I mean, like, the guy the guy was, like, taking all the goal, like, a lot of the goal line work last week. And this week, he is, uh, you know, getting an increased receiving role. Like, that's impressive, right? Like, he, he saw more carries than Austin Eckler. And Ek- but Eckler, by the way, ridiculously good with his 16 carries. Like, disgustingly good. Uh, and this kind of goes back a little bit to Herbert because, like, at least unlike Tyrod, right? Like, Herbert showed well, not not really some some wheels, right? Uh, so, but at the very least, like, like, like Joshua Kelly, like, 
saw three targets. His longest catch was 35 yards. Those numbers look a little better than they should. But that's really, really encouraging. I mean, I think if you're an Austin Eckler owner, because Eckler saw four targets and he caught all four, but also if you took Joshua Kelly late in drafts. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward, um, especially with Tyrod versus uh, versus Herbert here. But I, I am genuinely leaning on, on Joshua Kelly breakout. I mean, like if Eckler ever misses time, like Kelly's breaking the slate, right? Like, like, uh, like, like, like poor Justin Jackson's dealing with like a knee and calf issue. And like, he's clearly been surpassed on the depth chart. Um, and so I'm really, really excited for, for, for Joshua Kelly this season. Yeah, definitely. He was, a an underrated receiver in college, I think. Uh, but you know, he's getting at least, at least as much work as Melvin Gordon did when, uh, he was here. So I think what you'll probably see is he steps right into that Melvin Gordon role and yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's just as good. Yeah, I don't know, man, but definitely encouraging. And and uh, and speaking of other rookie running backs, uh, here's a guy who we've been, who I've been personally on a crusade for, DeAndre Swift, who rushed five times for twelve yards. But more importantly, he caught five of five targets for sixty yards in the Lions' week two loss to the Packers. Yeah, breakout for sure. I mean, this um, receiving workload is what, of course, is most encouraging, and the especially nice to see him kind of overcome that bad drop he had uh, in week one. You know, I mean, Adrian Peterson is always going to be on, you know, the teams of breakout guys we like taking the carries, but maybe that's okay if Peterson is getting all the, you know, if he's the one that's running between the tackles and taking on the injury risk and Swift is getting the targets. Um, I think we can live with that. So the, I'm, the bummer here I'm is carry on, excited. right? Yeah, right. Well, carry on. I mean, he's another guy who I'm a little bit excited about, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, nice I, to I, see him get that touchdown. So, so the Lions had four active running backs today, and I'd be more excited. Like they also had Ty Johnson, and I guess it sort of explains the uh, Kenny Galladay sized hole in this offense, right? Hmm. Like, like, like they're trying to get Quintus Cephas out there. <laughs> Marvin Jones is just struggling. Oh my goodness! Um, Danny Amendola, seven targets, two for twenty-one stat line. Like that's pitiful, right? Like, um, uh, like, like maybe just be done with like Danny Amendola's make-work role and give it to, <laughs> to DeAndre Swift. Like, right? At the very least, you've got like a very capable receiver, right? Like, and they pretty much play the same, same, same target depth. What's the worst that can happen, right? But um, it's a little like it's. <laughs> I know I know this this season a rookie, but like so so Marvin Hall had two targets. He had one catch for twenty four yards, which is <laughs> more yards than Marvin Jones had. Right? Like like if you're a Marvin yeah. Jones investor, like is are you hoping that like Kenny Galladay comes back, or like and then Marvin Jones right. can like can continue being the beta in this offense or like what? Yeah, uh, yeah, right. Maybe it would help Marvin Jones to have somebody else getting the getting the defense's attention. Uh, but I mean, Jones is not someone you ever are relying on on a weekly basis, right? He's a you know cliche better in best ball, but I don't know. The, is he better in best ball is, though? 
right? Like, I mean, I mean, that, that, that that's a yeah. question that's like worth asking this this season. No, right, for sure. Is is I mean, it's too sure the season's still young, right? But like, uh, but like every week that goes by with Kenny Galladay not in the lineup, and Marvin Jones not performing, that's a week that you're losing for having an invested a fairly high pick in him, and he was like going at like wide receiver thirty four by the end of it. So if he's not like a like a like a startable wide receiver even in best ball, what is he like? Why mm-hmm. you what were you doing wasting your picks? Sure, yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, Jones is not someone that I have uh, personally been drafting pretty much ever since he's been in the league, or at least certainly since he's been uh, on Detroit. But I mean, he always has that one game that really sticks out. And um, makes people, you know, say, oh, I got to get him on my team because he's going to have one or two huge games. So, uh, I don't know. We're still waiting for that. But So, yeah. So, then I guess my question is, what's the fair price for that? Because clearly taking him at, like, wide receiver 36 ahead of guys like Darius Slayton was not the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have a good answer for that because I don't. You know, I'm not paying almost any price for Jones. <laughs> Unfortunately, you'd have to ask someone who, who's a bigger fan. But I don't know. I uh, I know the Lions, like many of my teams, can't wait for Galladay to return. Yeah, this is just a huge bummer for me because I have like a Lions to win the division ticket at like plus nine hundred, and well. and, I ha- and I have yeah. <laughs> And I have a Detroit Lions to uh, over five and a half wins ticket as well. So uh, good luck to me. Uh, that's money <laughs> that I will probably not be seeing again. Uh, maybe five and a half wins. That's probably doable. Six wins. I don't know. Uh, losing to the Bears, uh, not great at home. <laughs> so, yeah. so who knows? Uh, but um, I guess jokes on everyone who is drafting Matthew Stafford as a quarterback then again. Um, guess they learned nothing from that one last year. Well, maybe if they throw more to Swift, then we'll see those those bets pan out. Now you're talking. All right, moving on to news item number three. <clears throat> Dak Prescott completed 34 of 47 passes for 450 yards and a touchdown in the Cowboys' 40-39 to week to win over the Falcons, adding 18 rushing yards and three touchdowns as a runner. So... Uh, Prescott really got everyone in this offense involved. Dalton Schultz, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Gallup. What are your thoughts on just the Dallas offense going forward after this performance? This is what we were promised. This is it. (laughs) Well, Dalton Schultz, not really. Uh, (laughs) You know, Blake Jarwin investors are furious. (laughs) That was that could have been Blake. Um, what's actually kind of cool is, uh, is watching poor Zeke just not, not, not find the end zone. I had him in cash everywhere and as like uh-huh. everyone did, right? Like, like, like if you didn't have Zeke, man, like, I don't know what you were doing, but like, but like, like he is really, really good. Like, like Zeke was and should have been like worthy of that top three draft spot this season, right? Like he's really good. And what's actually interesting to me is, uh, that he's actually getting, uh, a little bit of run more than we're used to in the receiving game without actually checking the box score. How many targets do you think Zeke had in this game? Seven. Yeah, he did. Good. I Bam. Looked. Nailed it. Uh, I, ah! was, I was looking I was looking right at the box score when you said without looking at the box score. 
Oh, oh well. I mean, that's <laughs> and, and like that's actually really fascinating to me because like I I know that the team use Zeke like well they like to use Zeke in like positive script, but now they're using him in negative script, which I thought was Tony Pollard's role, right? And and that's yeah. fascinating. But before we go down that route, like because there's a lot, this offense is really exciting, and uh, Mike McCarthy might actually be dragging it down. <laughs> It's you know sad to say like like maybe he's readjusting to the NFL, but like um man, so CD Lamb is just that dude, huh? So like so like all off season we saw a lot of snarky like oh Michael Gallup is a real wide receiver one in this in this lineup when like you and I both know Michael Gallup was a nothing until Amari Cooper showed up, and uh, now it just looks like uh it's just CD Lamb's role, right? Like I mean I mean I like I don't know what like I don't I haven't watched any of these games. But it's not great that like the team can go off of forty points and just put together all these yards and like Michael Gallup's like fifty eight, got fifty eight yards. Like he's barely getting more yards than Blake Bell, and he was going <laughs> yeah. as like wide receiver twenty four, right? Uh, I don't know if it was that high, but I mean, no, it was that high I'm, by the end of it, dude. That high, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Gallup was someone that I was kind of high on coming into the season. And obviously, this performance wasn't great. I think what we might see, even if this offense is still this prolific, is that Gallup will have some games, Cooper will have some games, Lamb will have some games, and it'll be maybe a little bit hard to predict uh, when those games are coming. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, Amari had nine targets this week, 14 last week. For, yeah, as, long, for, yeah, for as long as no, he's healthy, true. for as long as he's healthy, he's the alpha. And like, if you, if you like said that he was like the, like the wide receiver too, you're going to have to apologize to me. That's at HRR5010 on Twitter. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. So last season, Gallup and Cooper had, almost identical stat lines and i think a lot of people you know cooper was obviously getting drafted earlier and i don't know if anyone was actually saying yeah gallup is the wide receiver one here but definitely for their prices gallup looked like a better value if you weren't necessarily accounting for cd lamb and i'll admit i was kind of i was kind of getting on board with that with like oh cooper is way too expensive uh, Gallup is going to do the same things, but I mean, if you watch the game today, like Cooper had this one, one-handed catch where he had to reach out, and you're like, "Oh, that's right, that's who Amari Cooper is." Um, yeah, I don't know if you see Gallup making that catch. Uh, so no, 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 you don't. But like the other thing is like we knew CD Lamb is good, right? Like, and and I know you and I have talked behind mm-hmm. the scenes a little bit about this, but like if you look at like the last two prospect classes as a whole. I think the only guy, so I have I had AJ Brown ranked as the top wide receiver, and Dave Cabin and I talked about this last week. Just like we, him and I were trying to quantify why we had AJ Brown as a wide receiver one ahead of Nikhil Harry, right? Because the models didn't really say so, but like we were trying to like find some subjective reasoning as to why we were right in hindsight. <laughs> but but I had CD Lamb as like the best wide receiver in this class by like a country mile, and then and then like basically to me the last two classes are like aj brown and then like cd lamb and then maybe i don't know everybody else frankly like I, i'm not gonna bother ranking them 
right? Like, and, and that's really how far ahead I think of those two players ahead of like the rest of the field were. And that and that says a lot because there's a lot of really good wide receiver prospects. And that's how much respect I have for CeeDee Lamb. So my, so my question really was, always was going into the season, how long until CeeDee Lamb is overtaking Michael Gallup was always a question in my mind. Uh, and, and because, I mean... I, I just I just saw him as as just this like freakishly talent like just a freakish talent right, and uh, it's just a little similar in, and I'm not going to compare Gallup to Corey Davis because like he's clearly had a significantly better career up to this point right, but the question was how long until Lamb starts capping Gallup's is like upside. What's insane to me is that I would have thought both of them would have cannibalized each other. I did not expect to start seeing like, oh, CeeDee Lamb is going to be a thing. And like the delta in his price was really, really wide from the other two. So if you wanted a cheap Mm -hmm. way to get involved in this offense, uh, and even Blake Jarwin was getting very, very pricey by the the middle of the season, like by like June of drafting season, right? The cheapest way to play this until we started getting news from training camps and stuff was CeeDee Lamb. And um, if you took... Uh, a lot, there's a lot of wide like a lot of people were taking running back prospects um ahead of uh, C.D. Lamb and man shame on those guys right like I mean like both Pat, like 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 Pat Curran and Peter Overs that were talking about this on multiple podcasts was like oh like you're there's a chance of you landing on uh just a bust of a running back prospect right. Whereas we know CD Lamb and, and Judy are good. And like if you have a chance to take Lamb, just take him. And like I mean, like this time next year, like where is Lamb going in like dynasty startups? Because he was going really high this season. Right? Yeah. Yeah, where's he going? Um, yeah, I mean if he keeps doing games like this, I mean he's outproduced Gallup now two weeks in a row, basically had by, the same- by a lot, yeah. Yeah, basically had the same production as Cooper. Right. Like I mean, he's, top 12, he's a right? second rounder maybe. Yeah, right. And like that's like I was going to say like 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 top 12 wide receiver theoretically, potentially like at the end of the second at the 2-3 turn. Right? Mm-hmm. Basically where uh uh and and you can make a case, like basically where AJ Brown was going this season. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm actually yeah. going to open up a startup that you and I did together. Uh, just to see where he went, and uh, I think it was. I think you and I talked about this, but I think it was justified back when this happened. He went wide receiver sixteen in our startup, one pick ahead of DK Metcalf. Uh, yeah, Lamb, and yeah. Judy went wide receiver nineteen, and yeah. like that's already like Lamb went wide receiver sixteen. Amari Cooper went wide receiver twelve. I got wa- Cortland Sutton wide receiver fourteen. So yeah, I think f- I took Judy. So that. Is a little bit of a, a little bit of a reach by me, but um, well, but yeah, but, but like yeah. but like Judy is really really good too, right? Um, right. Uh, both like so you got Judy after Metcalf and after Ridley, but Lamp went earlier than Metcalf and Ridley. Right. That's right. I mean it, like that's kind of where they should be going anyway, in my opinion. So, um, yeah. So like yeah. I think I, I think I think where you took him was fine. Uh, uh, like that, like that's where it, like that's be- becomes a question, right? Like, how much appreciation do we see in his price? And Amari in this one went. I'm trying to find him. 
one second. Oh Amari. Gosh, later than Liam, I think. Oh, you, no. Three nope. and one. Just around, just earlier, just earlier. Wide receiver 13. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Odell Beckham and Kenny Galladay went earlier than Amari. I don't think Odell is going to be that high ever again. So <laughs> that's over. Yeah. That's unfortunate. But well, yeah. I mean, I mean that's how it goes. That's just. Uh, that's just the cruel world of dynasty, my friends. Oh, yep. and Julio Jones and Marty Shaver 13. That's also not happening again. So, but anyway, <laughs> no one, no one's here to hear about our, our, our months old dynasty startup. They're here to hear about DJ Moore, who caught eight of 13 targets for 120 yards in the Panthers this week to loss to the Bucks. You know, if you had any fear really regarding Moore's week one performance, uh, this should really quell any of your concerns, but you know, with Robbie Anderson having back-to-back 100-yard weeks, do you think he's threatening Moore's floor and ceiling? Oh, probably not. I mean, we, you know, Bridgewater attempted 42 passes this uh, today. I don't think that's something we're going to see a lot of, but I do think that this offense should continue to be pretty fast-paced and, uh, you know, continue to throw the ball. I don't think the defense is going to be able to um, hold many other teams from putting up a lot of points. So I think they're going to have to, you know, uh, Robbie Anderson is a guy that I believe Matt, uh, Matt rule coached at temple. So there was that connection bringing him in and we probably, you know, it's narrative, but maybe we should have paid a little more attention to that when we were, when we were drafting, I mean, the big thing here is, you know, in drafts, you could get Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel for about the same price. And Samuel had two targets today to Anderson's 10. So, I mean, is this like, what are we doing with Samuel? Is he dead? Yeah. I, to me, he is. I mean, <laughs> I he, he was dead to me last year, right? Like, um, like I thought the delta between him and DJ Moore was fine to the start of the drafting season and then and then just everyone starts with the with the exact same um uh oh they're the same guy. Oh, what if this? What if that? And then it's just like, okay, so now it's a spiraling out of control here. And um I'm not sure how many air yards or whatever Curtis Samuel racked up and then so, so and then the narrative switches from well his like uh, you know he's not really good at like he, he can't make all these deep catches, right? Like he can't make these deep catches and now he's like he can't do anything after the catch. So <laughs> if he if he can't do anything like deep and he can't do anything after the catch, like is he a running back? Like what's going on, right? And and yeah, four carries for twenty six yards today, which was uh, well great. This uh, is more than Mike Davis, so 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 have people so have people been like wildly overdrafting a shittier Cordero Patterson? <laughs> like no, it's a real question, right? Like because because this this target tree is narrowing fairly quickly, right? Like the second you remove Curtis Samuel and Ian Thomas from this, and all of a sudden all you've got are DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and maybe Christian McCaffrey. And McCaffrey is not really getting that many targets. This team relentlessly targets Mike Mike Davis the second he like uh you know McCaffrey had a miss time with an ankle tweak and like they got a lot of production out of Mike Davis. But again, if a yeah. team really wants to win, you're not going to be targeting the running back all that often. So what's going on? Like it's it's, yeah. it's a fairly inefficient play. 
So yeah, especially and, when that running back is Mike Davis, right? And 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 Mike Davis did really well. So like, it's exciting to think that this offense could go back to being a three-man front with Teddy under center, right? But like DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and CMC. Uh, I don't think I'll put up a CMC and DK if his price continues to remain in that 10K range. But like uh, DJ Moore at 6.4 and Robbie Anderson, uh, wherever he was this week, also was fairly underpriced relative to his actual upside. I mean, back-to-back 100-yard games is no joke. And I've been the Mm -hmm. dummy who didn't believe in Robbie Anderson. I've left him on the bench twice now. So um, bully for me. And um, (laughs) he's going to be in my starting lineup next week. You can believe that, right? And so... um, it's a real shame because we at Rotoviz really were very, very big fans of Curtis Samuel, and we were incredibly big fans of um, Paris Campbell when they came out. So it really does actually hurt me a little bit, uh, well, a lot of a bit, to say, well, Curtis Samuel is officially dust, right? Like, like this is just a guy who, I mean, is unfortunate, and I'm, I'm rooting for him, but, like, his price has never really matched um, his upside, and... It was really evident last year, and a lot of people were trying to blame it away on on Kyle Allen, and then they were just trying to, without like recognizing the fact that DJ Moore also played with Kyle Allen. And then you know after week one, we were hearing, oh, no concern about how all three of these wide receivers got the same target shares. Hmm. And then it's just <laughs> like, well, it's not going to last, right? Like if, if if a receiver is inefficient, they just get cut out of the target tree, and that was it with like Curtis Samuel, right? And like so like so you you're finding people like making excuses. For him in my mentions like oh he dropped this like pass that was thrown behind him and like it's like oh it's, at some point you got to start making throws right like like uh, sorry making catches like mm-hmm. not every ball is going to be a hundred percent perfect and i don't think anyone really cares if you fail to deliver in in game situations so that's it like like i think curtis samuel you don't drop him you have to hold him on on your bench but like i i don't know how like how long you can get i mean what do you think you're gonna? Uh, so, like, let's just bring this to uh, to from a redraft perspective, and let's just assume you can't trade in redrafts. Who are some guys you'd be looking to drop Curtis Samuel for? Chase Claypool. Oh, probably, yeah, I think so. Um, how um, about you know, guys about who Justin Jefferson? Uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, guys who actually. You know, neither of those guys got a lot of targets, and even Jefferson was, he was okay. But I mean, when you see a guy like Claypool getting almost 100 yards on three targets, that I think is a good enough sign that, you know, the team's going to notice that and probably give him more opportunity. Um, So I would definitely drop Samuel for Claypool, I think. You know, most of my teams, I'm trying to pick up running back. So, <laughs> yeah, same. But like, um, how about Mike Davis? Is he at all interesting? I mean, this is uh, you know, kind of shifting over to the running back. I think that probably yes. more often than not, we see most of those eight targets going to McCaffrey rather than Mike Davis. If McCaffrey's in the game, but I mean, eight targets, seventy-four yards. That's that's nothing to sneeze at. Uh, yeah, so that's that's interesting. This is where I brought up like the the Curtis Samuel as running back. I, that brought that up as yeah. tongue in cheek, right? Yeah. But it's too late to reclassify him for a fantasy perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Because it'd be really cool if I could slot in Curtis Samuel into my running back slot, but I can't. Right. I guess. Yeah. Um, like getting well, six points. 
Well, six points Which is I better. Which I could actually use on a lot of teams. Right, yeah. I mean, we're getting like three <laughs> in a couple of our leagues together. So it's like, well, six, <laughs> six is pretty good. But... Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I mean, so, so Mike Davis it was really efficient, and I can't tell if that's just because they were in this garbage time, like dealing against prevent, letting him rack up all mm-hmm. the catches, and you know, I am interested in Mike Davis as, uh, a, you know, a, a possible plug and play guy going forward. Like, I'm not gonna lie, like, I'm definitely interested in that. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, we saw Saquon go down with what is potentially a season-ending injury, and you kind of remember these guys that you draft early, like McCaffrey. I mean, McCaffrey got hurt in this game too, so you want to have these guys who are potentially going to be in really high-value roles if someone like McCaffrey or Saquon gets hurt, and Mike Davis, I mean, apparently fits that perfectly. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you 100%. I, I do think that, like, Davis is worth picking up speculatively because we do know he's the backup there. And if nothing else, like, we do still want someone. I mean, if it's not him, then you just want to plug in. Uh, uh, man, God, Godspeed if you're in a position to where you really have to plug in, like, Curtis Samuel as your starter. Because, <laughs> uh, because like, after two weeks of, like, I mean, like, if you took last week as, like, as, like encouragement, uh, I I don't know why you would have done that because I, I really was off the mind that it's like you you know you're you're heading into uh just season four you know week eighteen or whatever it is now of like like Samuel being inefficient right and and I, at some point you just start losing catches and, and and targets and so on and this is a new coaching staff and they brought in a wide receiver who they wanted to bring in and in Robbie Anderson. So, you know, that's just that's just the way, unfortunately, it was going to go. Uh, you know, the McCaffrey will have an MRI tomorrow, so there'll be a better idea of what's happening. Mm-hmm. But as far as as far as Mike Davis goes, he did. He was really good as uh, the Seattle Seahawks is um, as, as a fill in for them. So, you know, ideally, that's you true. kind of want want him in your lineup. So I do think that if he's on waivers, you know. Uh, try and get him for your own for, for your own sake. If nothing else, I just as a block because uh, you really don't want other people picking him up and like starting him in like a you know every down roll against you. For sure. All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Please remember to rate and review the Rotoviz Radio channel on Apple Podcasts. For Hassan Rahim on Twitter at HRR5010, I'm Blair Andrews at Am I the Real Blair. Thanks for listening. Contact us by email rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. somebody say playoffs nba and nhl are playing for the gold and our partners at bet online have you covered get in on all the action including a new nba bracket contest with plenty of chances to win mlb season is pushing into fall and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds futures and props so take advantage of the return of sports and remember 
the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.